0: Thanks for tuning in to our Rolling Hills Community Church sermon podcast. I'm Anna Townsend, the preschool pastor here at Rolling Hills Community Church. We are so glad that you've joined us today as we continue in our Advent series. In today's sermon, Pastor T. Lusk will be teaching from Luke 1, 26 to 38, focusing on the theme of peace and how regardless of what's going on in the world around us, true peace is found in Jesus alone. Now here's T. Well, good morning, church. So excited to be with you guys this morning and to be able to open up God's word together, to be able to sing songs of Christmas as uh, certainly, I've said this before as I've been able to preach here, I, I love Christmas songs. It's like my favorite thing. I, like I'm one of those people who legitimately listen to a Christmas album probably once a week. I know you can like chastise me, whatever. I just love it. I love Christmas music. And so to be able to sing it together this morning is just exciting. And also to be able to continue in a series that we started last week called Love Came Down. If you were here last week, you know that we started last week talking about hope. Pastor Jeff opened up this series to talking about hope. And if you didn't hear that sermon, certainly I would encourage you to go back and listen to or watch it over the next week. It was an incredible, incredible sermon opening up God's word in Luke just to, to learn about hope and the, and the love that came down and the hope that that offers. This week, we're going to continue in chapter one of Luke, we're going to talk about peace. We're gonna look at at what it means when Christ came down, when love came down, and and he offers peace. You know, when when I think about peace, there's a lot of images, a lot of ideas that come to mind, and I'm gonna share some of those with you, which should make you terrified, because I'm gonna let you know how my brain works just a little bit. First of all, I mean, maybe all of you, when you think about peace, right, you think about the peace symbol, right? Some of you lived in the 60s, I don't wanna know anything about that time for you. But there's that peace symbol, Right. Sometimes we, when you think about peace, you, you think about calls for peace or peace treaties. Some of us think about the book War and Peace. So uh, there's all these images. If you really want to be embarrassed, if you really want to embarrass your kids or or be mocked by the young adults and college students here at Rolling Hills, you can you can do the peace out. Right? Anybody? You know, like you, never mind. The mocking begins. The, you know, some, not only those kind of, th- those images, but there's also, maybe as I've rambled on, there's, there's these pictures that kind of come up of, of like a serene lake, a scene where, where we're out by a lake and, and the, the, the fog is rolling in, there's a crisp in the morning air, maybe that's a picture of peace for you. Some of you fellas, you continued in that picture of peace and you're cutting down Bambi right now and I'm not mad at you. I just want some jerky after you finish it. Maybe as I've rambled on about peace, some of the things that you think about are not necessarily those things, but maybe the lack of peace that we see in our our society, in our culture today. Maybe for you, it's, it's this longing for peace, peace socially, peace economically, peace racially, peace politically. Maybe closer to home, it's a peace in your family, peace in your marriage. Peace in a relationship that's broken. Peace financially. Maybe it's peace in your own heart and mind that you're looking for. And for maybe the moms in the room, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Peace and quiet for maybe just a minute, right? There's all these images that come up when we talk about peace, but the reality for all of us for us in this room and for our neighbors and our friends and our family and our coworkers and each individual that we meet on a daily basis, there is a longing for peace deep in our heart. A longing that we, that we look to satisfy in, in relationships or recognition of change of circumstances of money or job or even a bottle. There's, there's a longing in our heart and that's what I love about Christmas time is because we're reminded the story of Christmas is such an incredible reminder That into that longing of peace that we, each of us have, Christ came down. This morning, we're going to work through this passage in in Luke. We're starting in verse 26. And we're just going to kind of read through the passage. And then I'm going to point out just a couple things that I think is important for us to see as as we read through this. That will give us peace as we learn the story and hear what God did as he sends his son to us as love comes down to bring peace to our earth. So we'll start in in chapter one, verse 26. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. They should be on the screens here uh, to the left and the right. So here, beginning in verse 26, it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we're gonna pause just right quick. We won't pause this often in these verses, but we're gonna pause real quick right there. Just to give a little story context, again, if you weren't here last week, just to kind of catch us up, if you remember, th- this is what happens, the context, Luke writes this gospel and Luke is a Gentile, he's the only Gentile writer of the gospels and, and he, he kind of comes from a different perspective, he's from Antioch, he's a, he's a doctor and so he gives us a little bit of a different perspective and gives us great detail as you read through this gospel. What we understand from, from theologians and, and studies that he gave his life to Christ at some point and he spends some time with, with Paul on these missionary journeys. And because of this great joy and hope and peace and love that he's found and, and that's transformed his life, he in turn wants to, because of his passion, he wants to give us a record of that life. And so inspired by the Holy Spirit, he writes this gospel and last week, as we started in verse, in chapter one at the very beginning, we're introduced to two people, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who are, later, who are later in life, and they've not been able to have kids and this is an incredible story where God meets them, and he's chosen these two to be the mother and father of John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of Jesus, preparing the way for Christ to come. And as it, as we, in looking in this, one of the things that we think about and, and understand before we jump back into the passage is that this time period between the end of the Old Testament and when Gabriel appears to Zechariah, there's about a 400 years of, of what people call the silence. 400 years of silence where there's, where, there's no, where there's no prophecies and no activity that's visible of what God's done but that doesn't mean that he's not active, right? Because even Pastor Jeff pointed this out last week, because there's this whole, God's moving and shaping time and, and history, because as the Greeks take over and, and conquer the world, and then the Romans take over, and they build this system of roads, God is actively preparing. And what Paul reminds us in Galatians, but when the time, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem those under the law, that they might receive adoption as sons. Some, some translations say when, when the fullness of time had come. And, and I want us to hold on to that as we continue in this passage, because the reality is that what Luke is writing here is that set time, the fullness of time that Paul writes about is what we're reading at this moment, that that set time of is all, what all of time is pointing to, and it's this moment when God sends his son. And it's a reminder for us that even though God may seem distant and we may not be able to actively see his his hand moving in our lives, that he's still at work. we jump back in. It was the sixth month and God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, "'Greetings, you who are highly favored. "'The Lord is with you.'" And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, "'Do not be afraid. "'Mary, you have found favor with God. "'You will conceive and give birth to a son, "'and you will call him Jesus, and he will be great, "'and and he will be called the Son of the Most High.'" The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 34, it says, how will this be? Mary asked, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word, no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled in me. And then the angel left her. Let me pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you as we open it, there's so many things for us. And God, this morning, I pray that, God, you would overwhelm us in this story of Gabriel coming and announcing to Mary that she would have a child, and that child would be the Son of God, that we would find peace as we work through this story, the peace that you came to offer. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen. So there's a couple of things I want to I point out. And the first is this. There's peace for us when we realize that God has a plan. When you open up this passage, there's peace for us. That what we can realize is there's peace for us when we realize that God has a plan. You go back to verse 26 and what it says. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent God is the one who initiates this peace mission that he sends Gabriel on. He's the one who who had set the time and begins to make all of the pieces move together in this moment. But this was not a new plan that was developed on a spot in a moment of haste in response to something that was going on. No, this was an ancient plan, something that had been set in motion long before this day. The fulfillment of promises and prophecies that God had made to his people for centuries. Rebecca and I have been working through the 800 seasons of the West Wing. Uh, we're about halfway through, it's awesome. And one of my favorite things about the West Wing is one, this scene that happens so often, uh, I don't understand how he makes it through this presidency, but that when, when Leo comes into the room and he says, President, we have, an, we have a situation. And everything stops and they walk together into the situation room. I wish I had one of those in my house, right? And they close the door, screens are all over the television, that would be football. And there's all these powerful people making decisions and they come up with an action plan to address the situation. And they implement it. That's not what happened here when God sent Gabriel. God didn't look at the world and be like, oh, no, we have a situation. Gabriel didn't walk into the room and say, hey, uh, God, we've got a situation. And they, sit, they move out and then have to make a plan. No, God had made a promise long before this moment that he was going to do this exact thing. We have peace. We have peace when we know that God has a plan. And the angel Gabriel shows up in Mary's home. It says that God sent Angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. All of what he says right there in verses 26 and verses 27 is this a fulfillment of the prophecies and the promises that God has made. It's a fulfillment of the plan that God had put in place long before there's peace in the middle of our chaos, our brokenness, and our sorrow, because we know that God has a plan and a purpose and that he's not forgotten that plan and purpose. We find ourselves ourselves in in this house with Mary and and Gabriel, we can take comfort, each of us can take comfort in knowing that he has formed us in our mother's wombs, that he's numbered our days as it says in, in the Psalm, verse. Chapter 129, verses 13 and 16, he says this, that you have formed, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days for me were ordained in your book before one of them came to be. He had a plan for Mary and and to use her as the conduit for for the peace to be delivered in the form of a child. And he has a plan and a purpose for us. And we can hold on to that truth and rest in that peace and knowing that God has a plan for us the same way he had a plan to send his peace into the world. And not only is it a peace that comes with the the reality that God has a plan, but it also, there's a peace when we experience God's grace. There's a peace when we experience God's grace. Let me explain, as you go back to the passage, verse 28, it says this, that the angel went to her and he said, greetings to you. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Again, Mary was greatly troubled at his words, wondering what kind of greeting this might be, but the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. Now, Gabriel is the same angel that appears in the first part of this chapter with Zechariah as he's in, 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 the, in the temple there, and, and he terrifies this grown man. He's the same one who, when Zechariah questions God's promise to him, takes Zechariah's Zach- ability to speak until John was born. This is the same angel that shows up in those places, in that place is shown up in this young lady's house. You can imagine that she is terrified as this angel of light. Remember, we're not talking about precious moments dolls, which may be more terrifying, actually. But an angel of light a warrior standing before her. And, it, and the, the language is like, he just walks in and he's like, greetings, or hi, Mary, how you doing? It's not this great annunciation, it's just, hi. And to that moment, he, what's really incredible, this is where it gets really excited. As exciting is that twice, Gabriel says to Mary that she is favored. What does that mean? If you look in the passage, what what it means is the word for favor in this passage is, is is, is the word in the Greek called charis, which means grace. So when he walks in, what he's saying is, you have, God has bestowed great grace on you, Mary. God has, God has given you and lavished on you grace despite who you are, Mary, despite, despite all the things that you may have done. God has given you grace. And what happens in this passage, what Luke is trying to do for all of us and for, in, in this moment as we're reading it is not to draw our attention to Mary as if she is someone exceptional, although God has blessed her. It's to point our attention to him God of grace, that would lavish grace on this young lady in this insignificant town. with A whole lot of situations that's gonna follow this, the birth of this child. God says, I'm giving you grace. In so many ways, what he's doing is he's detailing for us in the life of this young lady not to draw our attention to her, but to draw our attention to him, that we would be wowed by the God of grace who gives us peace. Grace that's initiated by God and is lavished on Mary gives us peace that we too can experience that unmerited favor by God. That we can experience this grace lavished on us, peace in the foundational truth that nothing that I've done in all of my life, could ever earn God's love and grace even more. It's not even, I wasn't even looking for it, but God initiated this. It says in Romans that, but God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. There's peace in the favor that Mary experiences because it wasn't what Mary had done. It wasn't because of who Mary was. It was only because of God's grace. And it's not because of what I've done. It's not because of my resume of the good things that I've done that merits God's favor on you and I that gives us peace and it certainly isn't because of the wickedness that, I've, that we've done that keeps that favor. God's grace is a gift and it brings us peace. Second, but but on top of that, not only does it give us peace, that there's peace not only in the grace, but when we rest in God's provision. We've been given this this grace that gives peace, but that peace came with a cost. And that cost was the provision that God would give for our peace. Go back to the passage. Verse 31, he says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call him Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. How will it be, asked Mary. And the angel said, because she was, since I'm a virgin. Listen, there's, first is this, that there's peace for us. And the provision that God gives is because Christ, because of Christ's identity. Right, when we recognize what he's, what he's saying right here is it's unlike any of us in this room. Jesus is not born because of, the, because of the, the union of a man and a woman. Joseph was Jesus's earthly father, but he had nothing to do with the conception of Jesus as the son. Jesus was born by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. He would be fully God that nature given to him by the Holy Spirit and fully man, that nature given to him by Mary. And because he was fully God and fully man, he would be the perfect sacrifice, the spotless lamb that would suffer and die for our sins. That grace that we experience that brings great peace came at a cost because it was God's provision through his son, fully God and fully man. It was the only way that this peace mission would work. All of the sacrifices that the people of Israel would make, all of the sacrifices that we could make giving up this or that would never satisfy what God required and so he was sending his only son. We can rest and experience peace when we rest in God's provision and his identity but not only his identity as the son of God and the son of man but his identity as the king forever. He says, he will be great and he will sit on the uh, the throne of his father, David, and the rule will have no end. Listen to this. We just read this. You heard it just a second. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. Same announcement. You will have a son and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful. These are great things. He will be called great is what Gabriel said. He will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And the greatness of his government and peace will know no end. He will sit on the throne of his father, David, and he will reign on David's throne and over the kingdom and establish and uphold it in justice and righteousness from that time and forever. What Isaiah prophesies and what Gabriel says are one and the same. And we can rest not only in his identity, as identity as the Son of God and Son of Man, the perfect sacrifice that would only be the one that could satisfy God's, God's need, God's need for blood to be shed for our sins. But that He is king forever. His rule and his reign will never be shaken. He will never, his rule will never end. And there's peace for us in that truth. That God satisfied everything that needed to be satisfied in his son so that our relationship could be restored. That restoration bringing peace for us with God. And secondly, that God would establish a throne and his rule and reign would never end. And how many of us need to remember right now in our current Culture and world, God's rule and God's reign will never end. No matter who sits in the White House, God sits on the throne. No matter what pandemic runs over our world, God sits on the throne. His rule and his reign will never end, and there's peace for us and recognizing his provision. And there's peace when we trust in his power. Look at verse 36, that even Elizabeth, he says, he kind of gets, you see that this, this moment of tenderness for Gabriel, he maybe sees in her eyes just the overwhelming reality of what's kind of hitting her and he, maybe she's questioning a little bit how this, how this is gonna happen and he says in that moment, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. She who was unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of the Lord will ever fail. Gabriel sees, Gabriel first uses this example of Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, this lady that she knows and, and brings, it brings peace to her mind because she knows her so well. She knows the struggle that Elizabeth has gone through for years, the shame that she's, she's experienced in, in her culture, and her life. And, and she knows that this, God can give her a child, nothing is impossible with God. But then Gabriel continues as if to to lay down the trump card, the mic drop, and the the end, any doubt, to bring that peace and the power of God. He says this, there is no word, like what he said, there's no word from God that ever fails. What he says is, listen, Mary, this is God's plan. These are God's words, and God's words never fail. What is said is sure. You can trust that what God said is going to happen will happen. There's peace when we rest in God's power. It wasn't going to have to be her that made this happen. God was the one who was going to make it happen, and he has the power to do so. I feel like this this young lady, just kind of thinking about this young lady, this young Jewish lady who I'm sure had learned the lessons and heard from her father and her grandfather and possibly her great-grandfather, the stories of what God had done. And I believe that in this moment, as he says that these are God's words, that, that, that nothing is impossible with him, the flood of things that comes in her mind, maybe something like this. When the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep, that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And if God can say, let there be light when there's nothing and there's light, then she can trust in his power and find peace for the promise that he's making. And we too can trust in his power. And that peace that she experiences moves her to a submission to his purpose. We, there's peace for us when we submit to God and his purpose. Mary experiences peace that's greater than her fear. She realizes that God had a plan and that he was going to bring that plan to fulfillment. He was going to make his promise happen. There was peace for Mary and, and for each of us when we rest in God's grace that is lavished on us. Not for anything that we have done or not done, but because. but It is his grace, there was peace for Mary and for each of us, God's peace in the provision that he was going to give, the son that would be born, the child that would be born into this world, fully God and fully man, to pay for the penalty for our sins. And he would be the king that would reign forever. There was peace for Mary in that moment. There was peace in the power that nothing was impossible for him and that his word would never fail. And there was peace that greater than, peace that was greater than her fear that led to a faith that allows her to submit to his purpose. Verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. It doesn't say, oh, I get it. I understand how this is all gonna work out. She says, I submit to you, God. May what you said happen in me. For so many of us, what I believe Luke is trying to communicate in this passage and, and for us, what I pray that we would wrestle with this morning is the experience, as, we, as we experience the peace that comes and understand that God has a plan, that, God has, that God's grace is bestowed on us in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, that he's provided provision, that he's power, that there's a great, that that peace would be greater than our fear and that we would humbly move in faithful submission to his purpose. What I believe for so many of us is that we're living this life that's full of chaos and there's no peace in our hearts. And the reality is that we're living in contrast to his purpose, to the truth of his word and what he's called us to. Listen, Mary didn't experience peace because it was easy for the rest of her life. No, it would be a difficult track for her in countless different ways. The peace came for Mary in that moment and every moment that would follow because she believed that God had a purpose. And there's no greater peace than being in the center of God's purpose and will for our lives. No matter what the cost, no matter what the challenge. Peace is not the absence of sorrow. Peace is the presence of Christ. Whatever image comes to mind as we work through this and we think about peace, whatever place that you think or whatever moment that you're longing, whatever thing that you're longing to see peace in, what I pray this morning happens for us as we study this passage and meditate on this passage is that you would run to Jesus because he is our peace. Christ is our provision. Christ was the power of God in flesh. Christ is the grace of God. Christ was God's plan from the beginning to bring peace. This morning we're gonna close and sing a song together just to be reminded of that great peace that we've experienced in Christ. So as the band comes, I'm gonna pray and then we'll continue to worship through song. to meditate on and, and think about the peace that we've been offered in Christ. And if you're in that moment this morning and there's just so much happening and you know that, there's, that, that you need that peace that we're talking about, maybe it's because you've never trusted Christ for salvation, we wanna have a conversation with you. Maybe it's just a moment that you need to pray because there's not peace in your home and there's not peace in the relationships or your marriage or at work you wanna pray with somebody, and after the service, we'll, some of us will be here in the front, and we would love to pray with you. But even if you don't come up here this morning, as you wrestle with this, I pray that God's peace would be greater than your fear, and move you to faith in his purpose for your life, and that you would submit to him no matter what the cost. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are certain that you are our peace. That you, Christ, were the plan from the beginning. That you, Christ, were the visible example of that grace. Because it was your death on the cross that paid and was the provision for our peace. You were that visible example of the power of God. provision, and we can trust in you. I pray that as we sing and close, that, God, we would meditate on your word, that these, words of these the words of these songs that we sing would draw us back to you, and we would run to you, Jesus. Trust in you, Father, more than we trust in ourselves. experience the peace that you came to provide. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit us on the website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways that you can connect. We are thankful for you.